They are taught and trained from apparently an early age that it's, there's not a moral question here at all. There's a practical question. Did the dog just catch his tail? And if so, what's he going to do with it? I'm Scott Ott with Zoe Rachel. This episode of The Virtue Signal is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. Bill Whittle is out today, should be back, we hope, in the near future, and has been gracious enough to let me sit in this chair to convince you how much you really wish that Bill Whittle were sitting in this chair. Um, Zoe, the, uh, the news for the past week has been primarily about the Dobbs decision at the Supreme Court, where the court, in effect, overturned. Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Um, there's a lot of panicky talk in the media, primarily from a perspective of the left or the progressives or the Democrats, uh, that basically make it sound like suddenly abortion got banned everywhere and, uh, and so that everything's been changed. But I've seen an undercurrent, though, of people, commentators who are basically saying, Okay, Republicans played the long game. They spent 50 years building up the court to where they wanted it to be so that they could overturn Roe versus Wade. And, um, and now they've caught their tail and they're going to pay a price for that. In other words, the country who, uh, that allegedly believes, according to some polls, uh, that women should have the right to an abortion will suddenly rise up go to the polls on behalf of Democrats in 2022 and 2024 and, and toss Republicans out of office because uh, Republicans disrespect women so much. Um, so I, I have a couple questions related to this, Zoe, and, I, and I'd like to start with one, which is basically, is this really a case of the dog catching his tail? You know, it's almost as if uh, the people on the left who are saying this think that the people on the right who've been advocating for life all these years had no idea what would happen if they were successful in overturning Roe versus Wade. And now they've just, you know, beside themselves because they're all like, oh my goodness, how do we message this? Do you think that the conservatives, Republicans, and other pro-life advocates are, are so dim-witted that, they're, that they were caught flat-footed by the Dobbs decision? Yeah, I tell you what, man, I, I, I've, I've seen you know, dogs chase their tails and, and catch it and, and, and not do anything useful with it once they did. <laughs> it's like, okay, you got it, man. You put on all that effort. Uh, um, you know, uh, I don't think that's going to work out too good. But here's, the, and this is this is why, uh, Scott, uh, and, and people be like, man, what, was that dog practicing yoga or something like that? When you saw that dog catch his tail, it's a flexible dog. But um, <laughs> anyway, here's the, the problem with uh, this victory so to speak. Let's call it a victory. Yeah. The, the following language that a lot of conservatives will say is that, okay, we got this overturned and that's what we, and, and, and why, why, why do you want to overturn? Because this is something that is supposed to be decided in the States. This is a state's issue, right? This is about states' rights. Okay. That has always been the wrong language uh, to come after that. The reason why is no state can be at odds with the supreme law of the land. You can't just say, okay, just because we're a state, we can go ahead and infringe on other people's rights. You can't do that. You can't, a person can't say, uh, well, we're gonna go to the courts and we're gonna, we're gonna have a decision on abortion. No, you can't do that. You cannot infringe on a person's uh, right to live without due process of law. That person in the womb has a right to live. 
So I'm not here to hear your court case. I don't care if you have, if you, if you guys want to try to do it by the ballot, you want to have a vote. No, you can't have a vote for that. You can't vote away somebody's right to live. So Republicans have always had the wrong contingency concerning this. And the thing that bothers me is that Republicans always set themselves up to sound like Democrats every time. Who was it the ones that wanted to have the state's rights? The state's right to do what? Keep slavery legal? You want you want to decide in the states that you want to be able to either vote away somebody's personhood or you want to do it by judicial fiat. You, You want to be able to do that. You're not supposed to be able to do that. That is in contradiction to the supreme law of the land. That's part of what makes us a United States is that we agree and acknowledge that these rights are God given, certain and inalienable. So you can't go into another state and say, well, in this state, we can go ahead and intrude on somebody else's rights. So, no, so I think it's almost like you're talking about an idealized world where states could not pass legislation, uh, basically making abortion ubiquitous, cheap, uh, easily available. And frankly, I, I would bet if it hasn't already happened, that some states will pass laws not only funding abortions within their states, but also funding people to travel from other states so that they can get abortions in their state. Um, so mm-hmm. in reality... Hasn't this actually just happened? I mean, basically, we've thrown it back to the states. And the reason why Republicans have wanted to throw it back to the states is because they're confident that most states will never allow it. The reason why Democrats wanted the Supreme Court decision and took that that case to the Supreme Court was because they knew that they couldn't win it among the people that they had to find a way to twist the words of the Constitution to get it done because they, they, they couldn't stand before the, uh, the ballot box and get what they wanted in the state. So isn't that really what's happening? I mean, yes, you're right. Morally, uh, you know, theologically, you can't legislate someone's life away. But in reality, isn't it going to happen and is already happening? Well, we, I mean, the Constitution itself talks about rebellious behavior. And of course, that's what's going to happen. These people are going to make something, they're going to make lawless legal, lawlessness legal. All right. So, yeah, of course, these things are going to happen. It's, we're not supposed to make an endorsement of these things. Um, or let me put it like this. Are some places going to make it legal? This isn't something that's new in terms of our, our, era of, 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 of America. Of, of, this goes back as far as, basically, let me put it like this. This is what's happening. To, to any Christians out there, I'm sure you guys will understand this, who, who, who maybe think that this is something that was better to be decided in the states and you have this hope that states will, 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 be, you know, uh, will be on our side with it. This is what this looks like. And I'm doing, a matter of fact, I hope you guys will join me. I'm doing a study, a study on this. Uh, Leviticus 20, I'm talking about this in my study uh, for the Zopium Den. Uh, actually, by the time this airs, it probably won't be for the Zopian. You, you'll already miss it. But tune in for tune in for the next Zopian and go back and watch it. Here's what's happened. If you read in the Bible, doesn't it happen all over and over again that the kings and their son and his next son, they constantly do evil, right? They constantly, this, this king yeah. did evil in the eyes of the Lord over and over again. And even when there is one that does halfway good, right? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. What does the following statement say? And this is the same thing that happened with the Supreme Court decision. He didn't tear down the idols. He didn't get rid of the high places. Exactly. Right. And that's what happens when you said that this is okay for the for the states to decide when you have a state that is going to allow this, you allow a high place to remain where the child sacrifices will be done and judgment comes after that. So you see what I'm saying? Our Constitution is built on these things. Our founding documents are built on these things. As the founders said, we are appealing 
to the, to the supreme judge of the world. They didn't just say that willy-nilly. They knew the implications of this stuff. They knew when they wrote in created equal, they knew what that meant. They knew about people who would tear kids from their bellies as if they didn't have a right to live to keep a bloodline from going on. They knew about that stuff. Yeah, I always find that amusing when people argue that the founding fathers uh, were, had limited information because in our <laughs> wise and, and knowledgeable era, we have so much access to, we know what's possible. They didn't understand it. They understood abortion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it had mm-hmm. predated them by many, 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 many years. Yes, yes. Abortive fashions have been around for a long time, whether it was either by abortive fashion, uh, uh, by, uh, by some sort of botanicals, or whether by, you know, like, 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 Caustic you know, chemicals, exactly. Hang- yeah. Yeah. Yes. Those things, those things have been around. So this, the, the, to, to act like these people were just so lacking in sophistication, you know, just because of the time that they were in. No, that's not true. Well, because most of these states that are already strongly in control of one political party are not, uh, you know, eager to ban abortion. In fact, quite the opposite. They're eager, eager to expand access to abortion. And we have a lot of companies who, before the Dobbs decision was officially announced, I'm not counting the leak, um, began offering their employees uh, funding for abortions as well as uh, saying to them, hey, if you have to travel to another state to get an abortion, we'll give you time off. We'll pay you for the travel and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you don't want Mary away from her desk or her assembly line position for too long. Let's get it over with so she doesn't wind up staying home for a couple of years and taking care of a baby. Um, But anyway, it seems to me that right now we are setting ourselves up for a consequence. And this is kind of one of those did the the dog catch its tail uh, thing. Now what's he going to do with it? Where we will have abortion states and non-abortion states, slave states and free states in effect, you know, the same kind of dynamic. And, and we're going to, you know, go back to questions uh, that were overturned by the Supreme Court when they overturned the Dred Scott decision, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, are we now going to have to make rulings basically saying uh, what somebody from an abortion state can do in a non-abortion state and vice versa? Absolutely, man. And these are things that, you know, they, they have to be, you know, I, I repeat this over and over again, and, and I, hopefully at some point it will be implemented. The suggestion will be implemented. Um, there has to be a way to illustrate this, what this looks like. Because, you know, when, when a person is given over to the mindset that abortion is okay, that's, that's imagination land. Okay, you got to make that up. You have to deceive yourself into believing that. You have to deceive yourself into believing that the, the child in the womb isn't a person. That's imagination land. So trying to reason that out and do it or, or presenting the logic of it yeah. is usually a, a lost cause. Unless, unless a lot of times if you're dealing with them individually, because when you're dealing with the herd, man, nobody wants to step out of the herd. And sometimes we think that we're going to appeal these men. People don't want to be seen as sellouts. You know, oh, you're just giving over to like, you know, particularly like uh, uh, or uh, the women. You're just giving over to uh, uh, those, those sexist and misogynistic uh, Republicans. When they're in that group thing, you know, they're, they're going to kind of stick to the herd. You catch them individually and, and you make that case for them. And sometimes, it, it, a lot of times you get them. Or even with the black community, you know, the same thing. When, when, you, when you let them know, it's like, look, man, while you're giving over to this idea that the child in the womb isn't human, well, remember, Democrats, there was a time when Democrats, and, and to this very day, actually, uh, considered, made the case that we weren't human. And that's what they used to justify us as property. Yeah. And then the light goes on and they, and they, make, the, they make the connection. A lot of times when you can do that one on one, but in terms of group think, that's something that they don't want to step out of the herd with. You know, a number you should, of years ago, 
Yeah, yeah, because you get torn up, you get torn apart for that. I, I was uh, hired to interview um, a woman. It was a promotional video that was being made for a crisis pregnancy center. So it was a Christian-run organization that would help people who, women who were in, uh, <laughs> I almost thought I was going to say birthing persons, uh, <laughs> but women who are who are in a crisis pregnancy, they'll help them to get the resources they need to provide for them financially, to get them nutrition, to get them health care and things like that so that they could have their child and successfully raise it. And so, I was interviewing a woman who was being helped by this agency in a relatively smaller town uh, where I lived. And she gave me all kinds of interesting information. She would tell, she was telling me how social service agencies um, would uh, tell people to go to other towns where they could get more financial aid or where they could, where it would be easier to get an abortion. Like they were shunting them around and basically telling them, you need to move to this little town because here in the city, you know, the, the services are maxed out. But if you go there, you can get your abortion, you can get your, you know, your check, you can get your food, you can get your housing and stuff like that. And so they were actually sort of force migrating people by suggestion. I mean, the people didn't have to do it, but they were saying, hey, if you want, if you want this taken care of, the other thing was the woman I was interviewing had multiple children. I want to say it was like a half dozen or more children already. And she had had somewhere around three to five abortions. So I think the grand total was she had had 11 children, but she had brought six of them to term and, and had, you know, and actually gave birth to them. So she has all these children. And I said, I was trying to be as dispassionate and um, curious and uh, just ask questions and not impose my spin on it to her. So I'm asking her questions. And I said, um, did you have other friends where you lived um, who had had multiple abortions? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, what did you talk about with your other friends who were in those kind of situations? She said, like, um, like where are you going to get the money? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, where are you going to get the money for an abortion? I think at that time she said it was going to cost her $200. And she said, where are you going to get the money for the abortion? So they'd talk about that. And I said, uh, anything else that you talk about? She said, yeah, like, uh, like, uh, was he ugly? And I said, what? She said, yeah, the guy who got you pregnant, was he ugly? Because that would be a good reason to, to get the abortion was because you didn't want to have his ugly baby. Um, and... Finally, when those were the only kinds of answers I was getting, I said, so um, I said to her, uh, did you ever talk about things like, is it right or wrong to do this? Is there, is there like an ethical or moral question in your mind about good, bad, right, wrong? And she looked at me like she had no idea what I was talking about. Mm. And she just said, no, no, not at all. And and that really gave me some insight into the acculturation of people who go through that process of they, they are taught and trained from apparently an early age that it's there's not a moral question here at all. There's a yeah. practical question. Can you afford it? Was he ugly? Where can I get it? Um, things like mm -hmm. that. So um, I, I want to shift gears before we finish up here, Zoe, and, um, and get to a, a more personal question about the role of people who consider themselves to be moral persons, people who are believers, people who are part of the church, um, and and ask kind of what is our role? And to do that, I'd like to read a post from a, a friend of mine 
who uh, posted this to Facebook. I'm not going to reveal the person's name, uh, but this is what she posted in the wake of the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court. To any woman reading this, if you ever find yourself in a difficult, dangerous, unplanned, unwanted, terrifying, lonely, untimely, secret, or any other type of pregnancy, this is my promise to you, which I do not take lightly. I will help you. I will listen. I will find resources. I will. If you ever find yourself pregnant and hurting, you need not walk through it alone. You can call me. That's all in all caps. I will come alongside. When I say that I am pro-life, I mean all life, starting with yours. I will be a safe place. Every life is a precious gift, and we will find a way through. And to all my friends who call themselves pro-life, will you? And she ends it with hashtag I will. So that struck me as something that has been long needed is a definitive statement, not only from individual believers, from but from the body of Christ at large, that we are with you if you're in trouble. We are with you if you are hurting. We are with you if you are poor, if you have been raped, if you have been abused, if you are in a situation where you just don't know what the right thing to do is or how to do it. We are there. We will provide. We will listen. We will not treat you like garbage because you're in an awful situation. We will treat you with love and respect and dignity. Is it crazy to think, Zoe, that the church and individual believers should be essentially signing on to that hashtag, I will? Well, I, uh, the, my first answer to that is that kind of de definitely flies in the face of uh, Democrats who uh, try to say that, uh, you know, Republicans don't want to help. They just want to tell a person that they have to have a baby. But once that baby is born, they don't want to help them. You know, they're, they're OK with that baby starving to death, even though Democrats are proven that, OK, yeah, go ahead and give the baby uh, birth and let that baby expire. Don't feed it or anything like that. It's like, well, that's y'all. You guys want to do that. And they're, they want these people to be afraid of us. You know, that, that, that is if we have like some sort of man, this this goes back to um, John Wilkes Booth. This strategy of the Democrat Party has gone back as far as John who met, wrote it in his manifesto, who tried to accuse Lincoln and the Republican Party of wanting to destroy the Negro. But the case is that John Wilkes Booth was making was that we know what's best for the Negro. And that's Democrats to this very day. We know what's best for you, including killing your kid. But it's the Republicans who are trying to destroy you because they're trying to take you away from us. So the thing is with these people, they're being made to be like you. They don't they, they always want to try to use this case against us that that we don't want to help, you know, that, that uh, we're just trying to force them to do that. It's like these people are being kept from us. The, between the cultural narratives that keep these people apprehensive or prejudiced against us to the policies that they make to, that make it so expensive where you can barely make ends meet yourself and you really want to be able to help other people with your own resources. You want to be able to do that. As the Lord says, I give to you freely and I expect you to freely give. When the Lord says that, it's like, look, I get you freely. It doesn't just mean give generously. It means give out of your own volition. There should not be a law imposed on you or something that is keeping because once that happens, you're no longer giving freely. You're no longer able to give up your own resources. So these things more and more, Scott, are being taken away from us. You know, and, and these are things that we need to fight back against, even if we're not in 
like say the fight that in the capacity that she's in, we're trying to do these in, in, as we're trying to be the hands and feet of the church to be able to put our skills, our talents and our knowledge to the point where we are free to be able to help people, you yeah. know, go through this, this, these fears that they're going through and the financial uh, uh, woes that they're going through and all those sort of stuff, man, we're, we're, we're more and more that freedom to be able to do that is taken away. So you, from you us. don't think there's any truth to the, to basically the implication of what my friend wrote there, which is, um, the church needs to hear this. The church mm -hmm. needs to hear that sense of personal responsibility for the well-being of others. The church needs to follow a Jesus who saw people hungry and fed them, who saw people sick and touched them and healed them, and you know, and who saw people uh, hurting and listened to them and paid attention to them and reached out and touched the leper, you know, mm -hmm. fearlessly. Uh, it, it reminds me of a, a while. This has been a long time ago when I was pastor of a little church, and. Uh, one of the church members kind of complained about how this guy who had been coming to church uh, was a smoker. And um, and I didn't say it exactly like this. I wish I had been more thoughtful at the time. But I said, look, um, that's the least of my concerns right now. Uh, if If this young man comes to faith in Christ, he'll get to a place where nobody even wants to smoke. There's no no smoking sign in heaven because there's no need to find additional <laughs> pleasure or peace uh, or relaxation uh, in heaven. So you don't have to ban smoking in heaven because everybody's happy to be there and it doesn't even occur to them that they might want to light up. So I'd rather <laughs> focus on what he really needs, which is Jesus, and mm. that let the Holy Spirit take care of cleaning up his body and his mind. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, there are certain things that you don't want to be accommodating of, of course. Uh, you know, as the Lord says, you know, it's like, look, man, there are certain people that you just don't sit at the table with. You know, even though Jesus, Jesus sat at the table with sinners. Yes, he did. But Jesus didn't sit, sit at. The, he, he also referred to them as sick. There's like, why are you sitting at the table? He's like, well, they're sick, man. <laughs> so when you sit at his table, he expects you to leave change. I'm not here to accept you in your sin. I don't accept your sins. If I wanted to accept your sins, I could have stayed where I was instead of coming down here and getting tortured and hung on a stick. But I don't accept your sins. However, you don't need to try to clean yourself up. I do that and I'm going to do yeah. it right. So you need to spend that time with me, but I'm not going to affirm you in your sin. So like, like you say, if like a person is a, is a smoker or anything like that, it's like, look, man, there's a place for you to smoke outside, but just because you're smoking doesn't mean that you can't learn about the word of God. You bring in, when you get to breathe in the word of God, trust me, that nicotine ain't going to be nothing to you anymore. Right. So that's what we want to get to. And, and of course, and that opens up a whole lot of things, like even where as far as far as abortion goes. Uh, in terms of like uh, people's uh, gender identity or what they want to do sexually and all that sort of stuff. You can't be affirming that in church. Jesus wouldn't affirm it. He says, look, go forth, sin no more. You're going to sit at my table. I expect you to leave my table changed. Right. But let's get the word in you. If you don't want to accept the word, this may not be the place for you. Now, that ain't the same thing as a person being a smoker. Like I said, a smoker, you know, it's like I don't think they're going necessarily going to help with that. But you got to understand that the Lord is your sufficiency. If you seek your sufficiency of tobacco as opposed to the incense of the Lord, <laughs> you, know, uh, you, you might need to do a little bit more studying and leaning a little bit more on the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me finish with this because, um, you know, I, I, 
when I think about situations like that, um, I also know many, many church members who basically say, look, I'm here to love people in the name of Jesus. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to share the unmerited favor of God that comes to the person who, who merely believes, uh, which sounds like an outrageous thing, and who's not saying, look, you go home and clean up your act, and when you're ready and good enough for Jesus, you come back to us, and then you can come in, and uh, don't forget to wear a tie. Uh, you know, it's not that <laughs> it's not that kind of thing uh, for the vast majority of believers I know. Um, um, a friend of mine who uh, was actually a former um, meth addict, uh, I ran into this past weekend, and um, he was thanking me for the impact I had on his life. And I said, listen, I'll be honest with you. Um, I wasn't trying to change you. I liked you. And I, and I thought, I like this guy. He, I would want to be friends with him. Did we did we study the Bible together? We did. Did we pray together? Yes. At some at one point, we actually were praying together every single morning at five o'clock in the morning with another guy. We'd get together, read the Bible, and pray. Um, we did all that. But my motivation wasn't, hey, I'm some sort of savior that's going to clean up this guy's life. My motivation was, I, I really care about this guy. And I think if the people in the body of Christ have that perspective of really caring about someone, they'll realize that the physician didn't come for the healthy. You know, if you think that somehow you can be the the arms and the legs and the hands and the feet of Jesus and reach out to a hurting world, uh, those hurting people are going to have done things to hurt themselves that you find disgusting. <laughs> they are going to have done things that you have left behind as you left the kingdom of darkness and moved to the kingdom of light. Um, and if you use that as a barrier to be, to your helping them, then you're going to see more abortions in, in short. Uh, it's yeah. because you need to look at somebody who is, you know, probably engaged in premarital sex, is a fornicator, as they used to say in the old days, is somebody who may have already had an abortion or two or three or more. That's who they are. That's where they are. And Jesus can save to the uttermost. And somehow you have to look first at yourself and go, whoa, I needed a savior to die on the cross for me. Who am I to turn around and point the finger at this other person? How about if I just share with them the medicine that I received and with the love with which I received it? So for Zoe Rachel, I'm Scott Ott sitting in for Bill Whittle. We thank you for watching The Virtue Signal. If you like what you're seeing here on a regular basis, uh, you know, set, hit that notification bell on YouTube or Rumble. Uh, give us thumbs ups and whatever kinds of approbation you can dish out. And if you really want to be part of the team that produces these programs and dozens of them every month, um, go to BillWhittle.com and click the big green button that says become a member. If you're not much of a joiner, hit the big blue button that says make a donation. You can do that with your credit card or PayPal. Either way, you're making it possible for a lot of people who are not paying for this service to be able to hear a message they don't hear anywhere else. For Zoe Rachel, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks for watching. Mm -hmm.